It's time to lock in. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic, exciting, thrilling finish. Live from Mobile, Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP presents 99 yards away. Win this game for one another. The final drive with Corey Labounty and Michael Bronner. Do your job and play together. The final drive. Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it! All right, welcome in to a Friday edition of the Final Drive. I am not Corey Labonte, as uh, as you can probably tell pretty quickly off the bat, but. Michael Bronner here with you with Nathan Rothermel across the glass for the next three hours. We're going to have a good time for the next three hours. Corey's out today. Uh, it is March Madness Friday, and it's going to be a good one. Nathan, how you doing back there? I'm doing pretty good for St. Patrick's Day. Oh, I mean, I, how could I forget? I've, that should have been the first <laughs> thing I mentioned. I'm sitting over here with my orange beard. It's This is my day. This is a big on, day man. for me. I'm actually, I forgot to, I, it was pointed out to me this morning. I neglected to wear any green. Uh, that being said. Anyone pinch you? Uh, no one pinched me, but, you know, I, I, I am wearing as... In all fairness, I, I wear Alabama stuff most most days of the week. But, you know, it, it, it's March. Alabama won yesterday. Auburn won yesterday. We're going to get into all that, obviously. It's probably what we'll spend most of the show discussing. But this all being said, it is St. Patrick's Day. It is the best time of the year. Yesterday was the best day of the year, and today is just a continuation of that. The first round of March Madness, 16 games yesterday, 16 games today. We're going to analyze eh, most of them. We'll get to most of them. Unfortunately for Alabama, the dream is dead. And no, I don't mean the dream of going to the Final Four, but Baylor was struggling a little bit with UC Santa Barbara, the Gauchos, in the first half, but they ended up Baylor ended up pulling away and uh, winning by 20. Well, uh, you, you might ask, why is that significant? Uh, that being because had Baylor actually lost the game, which never really was in doubt uh, by the end. Again, the Gauchos, I think, were up by one at halftime. Uh, had Baylor lost, that would have been in the first round, Alabama's two seed in Arizona, who lost to Princeton yesterday, uh, Alabama's three seed in Baylor, and then Alabama's four seed, who lost on the wild shot against Furman yesterday, all knocked out in the first round, but not to be. So we'll see, uh, you know, Creighton off to a good start against uh, North Carolina State. So setting up a possible second round matchup between Creighton and Baylor uh, in the South region. Alabama obviously taking on Maryland at the BJCC tomorrow night, stuck in the late slot, which. Yeah, yeah, not 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 really a huge fan of the uh, 8:40 start time. Those of you on the East Coast listening, you're gonna have to stay up a little bit late. Um, Mom, Dad, I'm talking to you. Uh, 9:40 p.m. It's gonna be it's gonna be starting for y'all. Not uh, not ideal, but it is what it is. Uh, you know, it, it, those of those of you traveling back to Tuscaloosa from Birmingham, gonna get the and myself will be included in that group. Gonna get back to Tuscaloosa after midnight, but Auburn gets the game before. Uh, I believe the six ten time slot against really a Houston team that that looks vulnerable. Well, first of all, before we get into all that, Nathan, I gotta ask you, how, how's your bracket looking? It's not doing so bad, honestly. I uh, I had uh, a couple bad picks early on. Uh, I'm I'm holding strong. I'm really hoping that Iowa State uh, starts actually coming back. 
I really need them to win. That yeah, they're getting smoked right now, aren't they? Yeah, it's twenty to two right now. It's uh, it's not looking good for my pick. There. Same thing with uh, NC State and Creighton. I need I need NC State to win. Mm. I picked the under on that, but uh, St. Mary's St. Mary's is oh man, fifty-eight to forty-seven. St. Mary's winning. That's a that's a good pick. It's uh, how about you? <laughs> well, as a matter of fact, and thank you for that that uh, that beautiful setup. I did go fourteen and two yesterday. Not off to the best of starts today. You know, the upset I was super confident in was VCU over St. Mary's. It appears that the Rams are going to fall just short. They are down fifty-eight to forty-seven with three minutes left. As I sit here, it is in front of my laptop. I am going to be watching basketball live throughout this entire show. So you know, it's if, uh, yeah, we, I, again, it's March Madness, and we work at a sports radio station. If, if uh, you know, I trail off for a second, you 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 know what happened. I you know, there's two screens of basketball in front of me so forgive <laughs> me there but anyway the one i was confident in upset wise was vcu over st mary did have Furman over virginia i tried to tell y'all virginia just not not the strongest of four seeds I, I wasn't impressed with them at all i mean just an offense that struggles and and Furman uh and all, they had one of the best three-point shooting percentages in the country, and and uh, I I thought that was a tasty looking upset. So I did go fourteen and two yesterday. Not off to as good of a start today, but that's all right. All the final four teams still remain, and you know the way ESPN scores it, that's kind of all that matters. But that all being said, Alabama and Auburn, big day yesterday, big day tomorrow. Uh, you know, when they when they threw Auburn and Birmingham, it was kind of like, eh, all right, yeah, at least from an Alabama perspective, I, I I think most Alabama fans weren't weren't thrilled about it. But in all seriousness, it, it was a really great day of basketball uh, at Legacy Arena yesterday. Alabama obviously getting the 21 point win over Texas A&M Corpus Christi. Uh, not the best of performances from Alabama yesterday. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that. Uh, you know, we'll, we, we'll have Joe Gaither on from Todd 100.9 here at 315. We're going to have Brian Stoltz on at 4 o'clock from Auburn Rivals and talk Auburn. So we're going to get you a nice little taste of both. But, you know, the much uh, the game that was expected to be closer and it was a little bit more exciting was Auburn against Iowa. And Auburn gets it done. Auburn Auburn leads by 17 late in the second half. Not not so much late, but they are up 17 in the second half, and they held on. They 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 held on. I I'm kept it going. Well, Nathan, were you thinking I, is this happening again? I mean, it was almost poetic, a 17 point lead. But I mean, I, again, I I wasn't rooting against Auburn. I I, I really wasn't. I mean, but, me, I'm I'm an Auburn fan. Yes, you that's why this. I asked. You know this, yeah. Uh, so I, I've got Auburn picked. Actually, I've got uh, Houston winning against Auburn, but uh, I, yeah. I was excited for the game. I'll tell you what. Auburn's gonna beat Houston tomorrow. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say am it. I, am I, is my bracket looking even worse? Well, your bracket aside. <laughs> let's talk about Houston a little bit. Houston gets an eleven point win over the Northern Kentucky Norse, sixteen seed there. Northern Kentucky shoots five of thirty-three, fifteen percent from the three-point line. Really, the entire second half, they're just chucking up threes, left and right, missing most of them. Obviously, they were five of thirty-three for the game, and they're just staying in it. They're they're finding a way to stay. Marcus Sasser, uh, star guard for Houston, one of the best players in college basketball. He re-injured his uh, his groin that he hurt in the AAC conference tournament last week. Uh, he he didn't play for a lot for for much of the the second half last night. 
And then Jamal uh, Jamal Sheed is dealing with a knee injury, according to Calvin Sa- Kelvin Sampson. He says Kelvin Sampson after the game says he's very concerned. I mean, I I don't know. I I, I really like Auburn's chances tomorrow. I, I I don't think it's crazy to say that Wendell Green was phenomenal yesterday with 15 points. Janai Broom 19, 12 rebounds, five blocks. I mean, it's going to be a lot to handle for Houston tomorrow. If, if Auburn comes out and can play a, a, a full 40, a complete 40-minute game, which, you know, let's be honest, they haven't done most of this season. They didn't do yesterday. They were up by 17, and uh, Iowa cut it to, I think, probably four at one point. I don't, I don't know. if it, I don't think it got closer than four. Uh, but if, if Auburn's able to string 40 minutes, I mean, this Houston team is vulnerable right now. I, I think Houston, I, I, you can have an off night. Everyone's allowed an off night, but... I mean, this is a Houston team that's coming off a beatdown in the AAC Conference Championship where Sasser didn't play, admittedly, against Memphis. I think it might be possible. Houston might not be who we thought they were. I I, I don't know. You saying you saying there might be a little overinflation? I mean, they're a one seed. They're one of the they've been one of the best teams in the country all season long. They've been good. They they have like three losses on the seat. They had uh, they lost to Alabama, obviously. They had that unexplainable home loss to Temple. Uh, lost to Memphis in the conference championship. I apologize, I don't have their uh, exact record in front of me. Uh, but I mean, they play in the AAC, obviously. Which I mean, I think there are conferences in college basketball better than the SEC. But an Auburn SEC schedule that's gonna get you right. That's gonna. I mean, if Houston was. A team in the SEC, yes, they would have been one of the best teams in the SEC this year, obviously. They would have competed with Alabama for the for the conference title, both regular season and tournament. But, I mean, they certainly wouldn't have been, had one loss in the conference. They they wouldn't have had two losses. They might, they probably wouldn't have had three losses. I mean, I, I just, I don't know. I, I, I think Auburn has a legitimate chance to win this game tomorrow. It's like a six-point line, which tells you all you need to know for a one-versus-nine one game. I mean, I, I think that I think that I'm going to go so far as to say Auburn's going to win this game tomorrow. And, and don't come with me. Don't come. I, I understand if you're listening and you're an Auburn fan, you, you know I'm not an Auburn fan. So don't come at me with pitch, pitchforks and torches if Auburn <laughs> doesn't win. But I, I, I really am going on the record with that prediction. I, I would go so far as to say I'm going to be surprised if Auburn does not win this game tomorrow against Houston, it's going to be six o'clock in Birmingham. You get the primetime slot. You get you get the first game, so it's going to be probably more but more Auburn fans than Bama fans. Again, I'll be there. I'll be. I, I'm. I, I certainly will not be cheering for Auburn, but I can't like outwardly cheer for Houston. It's going to be a weird. It's going to be a weird game tomorrow for that first game in Birmingham. Because again, like. I will yeah. never. I will never cheer for Auburn. Uh, <laughs> right, right. I, I will never cheer for Auburn. But that's understandable. I don't. I mean, I'm not. I'm not like. I'm not going and and I'm no Houston fan. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not gonna just root for Houston openly. It's it's gonna be odd. But no. I. I. I point being, I. I just really do think that Auburn has a great chance to win tomorrow. On the other hand, uh, another groin injury, Brandon Miller. Dealing with a groin injury for Alabama, according to Nate Oates, after his zero-point performance yesterday. Miller also only played about 20 minutes, uh, 19 of 19 to be exact. I, I would think he was probably on a minutes restriction. He only took five shots. Nick Pringle was unbelievable for Alabama, 19 points, 15 rebounds in only 20 minutes. Namari Burnett, three of six from, uh, from the three-point line. Very encouraging to see. He's a guy that can get him going. 
Uh, you know, it'd be, it'd be a nice march for Alabama. Mark Sears, who struggled to make shots lately for Alabama, he makes three in a row at one point, three for four of the game. Noah Clowney, I believe, made his first threes. He was also three of four for the game. I mean, it's a common theme in in March Madness, Nathan. Three point shooting teams, uh, three point shooting percentage for teams that won yesterday, thirty eight percent. The teams that lost, twenty seven percent. It's almost like a you make your threes, you win. You you miss them. I don't want because Alabama's won games this season that they haven't made threes in. But I mean, it's a common trend. You 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 make your shots. Uh, you you make your three point shots, especially. You have a a good chance to win. I understand that sounds pretty obvious, but I'm just saying. So I mean, Auburn, I believe, was like eight of twenty two from the three point lines is like thirty six percent, which you know that's that's a fine percentage. It, it so. Again, if, if Auburn shoots well tomorrow, if Auburn plays a full 40, I like their chances. We'll see about Alabama. I, I, I think they should be fine. I, I think they might struggle a little bit. We'll see what happens. But what, do you think, uh, what do you think about Alabama's chances going forward? I think that tomorrow is going to be harder than the Sweet 16. I, I, I've kind of been saying that. I think it's. I think you're likely getting San Diego State uh, in the Sweet 16. Again, you don't want to look too far ahead. Uh, and For then, sure. and then we'll see what happens after that. I, I going for. I I think a lot of it depends on how healthy Brandon Miller is. If Brandon Miller is legitimately bothered by this groin injury, it's gonna. I mean, it's gonna be hard uh, to beat a uh, Baylor or a Creighton in the Elite Eight if you even get there again. Gotta win tomorrow. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I'm not on the team, so I'm allowed to look ahead. But you gotta win tomorrow. That you gotta take care of business first. All right, we'll get to our first break. We got Joe Gaither from Tide 100.9 coming up. I'll have a good discussion about the Crimson Tide. You are listening to the Final Drive on WNSP. This is Jason Caffey. Thank you for listening to WNSP 105.5 FM. All right. Welcome back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. If you want to give us a call. Sorry, I didn't say that in the first segment, but anyway. My friend Joe Gaither coming up next here. Tide 100.9. He hosts Cup of Joe on Tide 100.9. He's the program director, the Iron Man of Tide 100.9. Joining us now on the phone line, Joe, how are you doing? Dude, what's going on? How's your day going? It's going good, man. I mean, it's raining in Mobile as it, as it usually is, but uh, you know. it was raining here earlier. It's still very drizzly. Uh, my man Nathan behind the board told me you had a seven and a half out of ten in your first well, match. I would, so we got to do better than that. We got to pick it up. Well, we I would. Well, now we got now we got Joe Gaither on the line. So uh, how could it not be picked up? It's kind of half up to you to pick it up now. Although I will say I was looking over Nathan's shoulder when he graded it a seven and a half out of ten. So. You know, oh, it, might, so it might be a little inflated. It, it, it might have been more like a four. I don't know. So all right, that's all right. That's all right. That's all right. Scratch it. We're moving on. Well, Short memory. We're on the t- we're on the time. One hundred point nine's Joe Gaither. So you know, we'll uh, we'll see what we do here. Uh, well, Joe, first NCAA tournament game covered for you yesterday. For, uh, first question I'll ask you: How was it? How was your experience? Oh man, the BJCC was awesome. It was beautiful in there. 
just like it was uh, for the Gonzaga game. But it was a lot of fun seeing the, a mixture of a bunch of different fan bases kind of converging on it at, the, at that same time. You had the Maryland and West Virginia fans both, you know, they, they, they're biting their fingernails through, through the whole game. So it was, yeah. it was a lot of fun to see that finish and not really have any emotional investment in it. Uh, and then Alabama came out and did what they did. I thought it was a, it was a good game. It was a good performance by, by Alabama. A lot of things went their way. Um, it was kind of interesting to me because I felt like Coach Oates, it, 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 his main mission was to keep the uh, keep Alabama's feet to the fire. A lot of timeouts there, uh, during uh, during the game, even though Alabama was up by a lot, he uh, was staying on staying on the side about defensive miscues and maybe uh, maybe some errors that they were making on the defensive end. So it's going to be interesting to see how Alabama responds in round two when they when they, when they play a much tougher opponent uh, in much more interesting circumstances considering how the crowd will be tomorrow night. Yeah, I mean, I, I well, l- l- let's talk about the crowd because they put Alabama in the late slot. Uh, they put Auburn ahead. <laughs> they, well, yeah, well, here's the thing. Yeah, a little peek behind the curtain. Joe and I were planning on, you know, getting a nice beer after the game. It was going to be a 2 o'clock game. We were going to meet for a, meet for a beer after a nice tide win. Now the, now the Alabama game is not going to end until like 11 o'clock at night. That dream might be dead. I mean, we're already looking at, a, looking at ending, uh, you know, getting back to Tuscaloosa after midnight. Alabama at 840. I mean, what, what do you, I, are you going to play some golf in the morning? Like, what are you thinking about? this uh what do you think about this late slot that sounds perfect if it'll dry up but i don't think it will so uh honestly it's all right here's the worst case scenario auburn gets in there first and auburn wins yeah. which is very possible considering all houston houston's injury with uh You're spending my disaster. night there. and he's like he's i think he's probably 50 50 and if he goes i, yeah. I think he's probably close to 60 percent something like that uh, but but if they beat Houston, entirely possible, and then they stay around and cheer for Maryland the oh. entire time, and, and and so you you ask yourself, oh, did we really get a gift as a number one seed? Well, obviously you did because you're playing in your home state. But but really, you kind of diminish the gift uh, because you put both teams in the same place. And, and if Auburn was, now best case scenario, Houston goes out and yeah. handles their business, blows the doors off of Auburn, uh, which I think there's probably about a 30% chance of that. I think it's probably going to be a good game. Uh, I think it's probably going to be a good game in, the, in that first slot. But if they blow the doors off of Auburn and all the Auburn fans go out and, you know, and they go have those drinks, uh, they go celebrate the town and enjoy Birmingham because it's a beautiful city uh, and a great place for an NCAA tournament game. Happy that it's back there. But the best case, Houston blows them out. They get out of here, and then we have a big old Alabama. They, they, the Auburn people put all their tickets on the, on the on the secondary market in that same time, and then maybe some uh, extra Alabama fans can get in there. Well, I've been saying all week, you know, it's like, ah. Uh... You know, we got Alabama gets their gets the first two rounds in Birmingham, gets the number one all overall seed, and still somehow the Barners find a way to ruin it. Well, I mean, it's better than the alternative. You could have been <laughs> in Orlando. You could have been in like uh, you could have been in Des Moines. There's a lot of other places they could have gone. So like Birmingham, heck yeah, you love it, and I love the, the one hour drive. 
uh, up there. It's easy, so it's a beautiful thing. But yeah, it takes a little, a little bit of the shine off of it to have Auburn there as well. Uh, but a lot of fun to be there yesterday. Fun to see the bench really perform well. You, you, you didn't have to use a lot of your guys very heavily. There was some, you know, you don't like Noah Clowney. You're picking up four fouls very quickly. That he's kind of. I know there was a little confusion on if he had two or if he had three right there off the beginning when he picked off the, in, the, in the first half. Like they picked up his first, uh, third foul, but a lot of positives going forward. Mark Sears finding a shot. Yesterday, yep. you, you you want to see that going for? I mean, you're 15 of 33. You 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 take that every game from three. Uh, you, you get a little bit better at the free throw line, and maybe you get a few points from one Brandon Miller, and uh, you, you're feeling really good about the game. Well, I mean, it looked like in the first half today, one of the first things we talked about today. I mean, the UCSB Gauchos almost delivered us an early March Christmas present and knocked out not only uh, the two, three, and four were almost out in the South three. Not almost. Baylor won the game by 20. Uh, but uh, what are you thinking about Alabama's path moving forward? I, I understand that that mindset is kind of what gets you knocked out of March Madness, but you and I don't play for the team, so we're allowed to look forward. Uh, so uh, let's say Alabama handles their business again. Maryland tomorrow like they should uh, I think it'll be a somewhat difficult game we'll see if they cover but I, I I mean they we should handle our business tomorrow what are you thinking about Alabama's path forward from there well they'd get the winner of San Diego State and and Furman correct yes so likely just following the seeding you get San Diego State and, and when you're up in Louisville and, I, and I'm feeling Pretty good about that, considering I think San Diego State plays a fast pace. I haven't like, really studied San Diego State. My, as far as the whole bracket looks, I mean, you got a huge break with Princeton winning, but Princeton's no joke. But uh, you, they're likely going to get bu- bu- uh, bu- taken out prior to that uh, Elite Eight matchup. My biggest fear, Michael Bronner, is the matchup in the Elite Eight with the Creighton Blue. I knew it. The Creighton. The Creighton Blue Jays, our, uh, Ken Palm ranked number thirteenth uh, in, in Ken Palm, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, you know you know the history with Creighton and Alabama in the NCAA tournament. I believe the last time they met in the NCAA tournament was an Anthony Grant led team, and that would end, didn't end up very good. That was a first round exit. Uh, I think I think that was the first Thursday, the first game on that the first Thursday slot. So Alabama was barely in that tournament. Uh, so you don't, that's who I don't want to see. But I mean, if you get the if you get the team that played yesterday. Yesterday, playing the same way, and you, uh, like, like I said, these were 96 points without Brandon Miller scoring a single point. Now, granted, that a lot of that is due to the competition and the size disparity. Nick Pringle had an amazing game because and I mean, he was standing a full head taller than anybody else on the court. Uh, so, so, so you're not going to see that the rest of the way in the tournament, but. If you get the guys playing at max capacity, which you've seen a couple of different times throughout the season, a little less lately, uh, but, but but the SEC tournament was a great sign. Talking to Joe Gates. Anything that can beat you. Talking to Joe Gaither from Tide 100.9. Well, let's talk about Brandon Miller for a second. Nate Oates after the game, you know, zero <laughs> points for Brandon Miller. Nate Oates after the game said he's been dealing with a groin injury since the SEC championship against Texas A&M on Sunday. Uh, I mean... I hope you've been making a lot of sex jokes about Brandon Miller and the groin. Uh, you and Nathan, Nathan, get behind the glass. You can write up as many puns about Brandon Miller's uh, strained groin. I think he's going to be fine. He's going to be A-OK uh, going forward. He, you know, he only played, what, the 19, 20 minutes or so yesterday. Yeah. And I don't really even think, like, like it, we were – 
it, it, it was what four minutes left of the game or so when I pulled up my ESPN app and I was trying to follow the numbers or whatever, and I saw oh zero for Brandon Miller, yeah. and I didn't even feel like it. it you know, we were in the eighties at that point. It didn't even feel like it. He, he hadn't played in quite a while. It felt like in the first first bit, I mean, he, he was zero for five. It didn't really feel like he was pressing to find his shot. Those five those five shots really just kind of came to him during the first half. Uh, I, I felt like he was out there and he played. I mean, he played good defense and he had what three assists or so five rebounds so I think he was into the game but I don't really think he was like really looking to press so the zero points doesn't concern me and I think that given how well he played during the SEC tournament and it sounded like he had uh, picked up this injury during the SEC tournament I, I'm not worried about it going forward. Well, if Joe's not worried about it, then I'm not worried about it. Because I'll be honest, I, I I was worried about it before you said that. We'll leave the uh, inappropriate jokes <laughs> nah, to you. Concerned. I'm not concerned. I I mean, like, just uh, what about his maturity? Just for for a kid that obviously has zero points, he's he's not getting his on the offensive end. He only took five shots, but like you said, you know, he's getting assists. He's factoring in on defense. It, it's not like he was a ghost yesterday. I like you. I was kind of surprised at the fact it was like. Sometime in the second half, I looked. It's like, oh wait, Brandon only Brandon hasn't scored. I I didn't even realize it. Well, I mean, you, you pull up with Noah Clowney Nation two out of his first three, three threes, and then Mark Sears hits yeah. three in a row, uh, and every everybody got in on the action. Dom Wells, who was one of two, I think one of three, uh, like every, everybody got a three. Noah Gurley, I think he had nineteen. I'm not looking up, looking at my box score. Uh, everybody was in on the action. Uh, obviously, you're not getting threes from Betty Ock or Pringle, but that, but they uh, they still had great games. Delaney Hurd even hit a three at the end. I, so Namari yeah, and, and the crowd exploded. That might have been the loudest moment. I, so Namari Burnett, uh, another guy, he was three of six from yeah, uh, from he, the three point line. Shots. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, how impactful could he be for this team uh, throughout March? Well, it's really if you get Ryland and Namari Burnett, if they're both giving you something on the offensive end, they're only giving you something. But but if they're both doing what kind of what they did yesterday, give you a shot or two or three. Uh, throughout the course of the game, they're both such good defenders that they allow you to be as versatile as you want to be in your matchups. And and really, that's when the I think I think Alabama is a uh, net number four defense in Kim Palm or so. Uh, so you, you have a top five defense, and that's really what allows you to utilize your depth because you bring those two guys off the bench and Namari's Namari included. That gives you a chance to rest Mark Sears, gives you a chance to rest JQ, gives you a chance to you know give your guys that five minutes at a time, four minutes at a time breather, and then they can pop back in. Uh, so, but, 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 you know, if they're on a, if they're on a slow slump, uh, like, like Namari had been and, and Ryland kind of had been, um, it, it, it cuts down to Brent and limits your options. But, but when those guys are on, uh, I think that's when Alabama can re- really utilize its depth and you can match up against other teams and make it difficult on other coaches. I mean, before the SEC championship, and unless I'm unless I'm missing something, I I don't think Rylan had made a three pointer since the game at Auburn when he when he had twenty plus. Oh, and then what a what a game he had. I mean, you see what Alabama has when these guys when, when everybody's firing on all fillers, and I think the rest last week going into the SEC tournament helped that. And uh, I mean, we played very well yesterday, despite a couple of defensive miscues. I mean, I, I mean, when you're up 20, it's kind of hard to stay dialed in. But NATO's was on them to stay dialed in. I think you see the, the second week of oh, you were off what Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Uh, you travel up here Wednesday, and then you're, you're playing. Uh, 
I think it's really uh, helping the team, you know, kind of uh, get back to peak form. Well, I got to ask you this one, uh, and I'm only asking you because I went 14 and two yesterday. But how's your bracket looking? Oh, I don't have a clue. I think I <laughs> hold on. Oh, you know, you don't have to do the live reveal. There's no way. I don't believe you that you just haven't checked. Oh, uh, currently 162 points, 96.2%. Ah. I don't know what that means. No, no, ninety. that means you're in the 96th percentile. That means your bracket is doing better than 96% so I, of other brackets. Maryland, San Diego, San Diego, Furman, Baylor, Missouri, Princeton. I lost Princeton. I lost Princeton. I lost um, at Duke and Tennessee, you know, so not, not bad, not bad. Uh, but, but honestly... I've only, I've been so laser focused on Alabama this year. Alabama and the top teams, uh, the other top teams that, that might be able to challenge Alabama. So once you get into the like the fifth and sixth seeds, I was kind of just guessing. And then so after that, you're like six, six, six through sixteen seeds. I'm like, oh, these coaches, these players, I know, but no, I was so locked into the the top teams. My original bracket had like all four number ones, and I'm like, well, that's not going to happen. So uh, I just kind of mixed it up. And, 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 but I, but I really feel. Uh, I really feel like once you get down to the end, a lot of these top teams are going to be left standing. Because your Purdue's, your Kansas's, uh, I think Houston's a really strong team. I, I, th- th- those teams are going to be tough to to, to to knock out. Now you get Gonzaga; they might be able to knock out Kansas. Uh, Purdue, you're about to play Duke. Duke's been on, on fire lately, so like they, they they obviously might get knocked out, and that and it always kind of worked out that way. Uh, so. I'm really hoping that only one number one seed is left in the final four. You're not buying the must bus taken down. Welcome back to a Friday final drive. Corey Labounty is out today and we'll be back on Monday. Not to fear. It's going to be okay. We're going to make it through. He'll be back. Uh, he'll be back. You know, I understand in the app if you're concerned. There's nothing to be concerned about. He's traveling. He's going to be back. Corey, if you're listening, we miss you. We love you. Can't wait to have you back. But Nathan and I are going to get you through the next two hours. We'd love to hear from you. 251-694-1055. If you want to give us a call, give us your thoughts on March Madness, on Alabama, on Auburn, really on whatever. If you want to come in here and chat, we'd love to have you. Uh, you know, again, 251-694-1055. Four o'clock, uh, top of the hour here, we're going to have Brian Stoltz from Auburn Rivals. That was just Joe Gaither that you heard for you know, almost 30 minutes there. But, you know, in all seriousness, Joe's my former boss, really good uh, good friend of mine. I always love to talk to Joe Gaither. But 4.30, special treat for those of you who've been listening for a minute. We're going to have Stephen Root. I don't know exactly what we're going to talk to Stephen Root about. Kind of kind of a uh, little melting pot of things. We'll probably talk Jalen Carter. We'll probably talk John Morant. We'll probably talk about the Lions. We'll probably talk about his bracket. You know, it's just going to be a, it's just going to be a good uh, chop it up sesh with Stephen Root. But five o'clock, we're going to have Ryan Phillips from the Tuscaloosa Patch. Five thirty, we're going to have Ronnie Arrow, head coach, former head coach of South Alabama. Uh, 34 year, 34 year anniversary today of the shot that rolled the tide. So, 
you South Alabama fans get excited for that one. He also just happened to have started uh, the Texas A&M Corpus Christi program who Alabama defeated yesterday. So it's a good day to have Coach Arrow on. <laughs> no, but, uh, you know, good for good first hour here. Appreciate you guys tuning in with us today. What do we got? Creighton, Creighton up, what, six on NC State over there? You got scores, Nathan? Let me see. It looks like Creighton is up... Uh... That looks like two points, 28 to 26 right now. Yeah, and kind of as Joe said there, I, 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 Baylor, I, I don't want to see Baylor either. And again, I understand, you know, if Alabama loses tomorrow, I understand I'm going to get clowned for looking ahead on Monday. Rightfully so, but again, there's no such thing as, you know, me looking ahead is not going to affect the team. I don't play for the team. I don't coach for the team. So I'm going to look ahead. But, yeah, I mean, I don't want to see Creighton in the Elite Eight. I don't want to see Baylor in the Elite Eight. But it's looking like if Alabama does get there, it's going to be one of the two. Uh, if Creighton can pull it off today against NC State, which, you know, NC State's hanging tough. That's a good team from the ACC there. Um, you know, Creighton and Baylor. That's going to be a really, really, really fun matchup on Sunday between Creighton and Baylor. I think that's, yeah, I mean, you could have made the argument even before Arizona went out that those are the two best non-Alabama teams in the region. You know, you've all heard my thoughts on, on Virginia before the tournament started. You know, I'm looking at a bracket here that was filled out before the week that had Furman beaten Virginia. I'm just saying, I, Tony Bennett, by the way, I saw, I saw this, I saw a stat earlier. I mean, for Virginia, so in the in the last five years, Virginia has lost to uh, they they won a national championship, but in the in uh, they've lost to a thirteen twice, lost to the sixteen seed in UMBC, and won a national championship. I I mean for if you're Tony Bennett, I mean you can't call the guy overrated because he won a ring and he came back from losing to a sixteen seed uh it, to the following year to to come back and win a ring so again you can't can't call the guy overrated you can't take anything away from him but i don't know i mean they've lost to a 13 seed twice they've lost to a 16 seed i don't know about tony bennett in, in, in terms i mean obviously he's one of the better coaches in college basketball virginia's always one of the premier programs but just in terms of like legendary status he's had some bad 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 losses in the ncaa tournament it's just it it's it's I don't know. I pe people are saying Tony Bennett might be uh, might be a little bit overrated, but uh, let's see what else. What else we got? Uh, VCU take VCU falls to St. Mary's sixty three to fifty one. Uh, Marquette putting it on uh, putting it on uh, the Vermont Catamounts seventy eight to sixty one two fifteen. They're kind of as expected. Good for uh, my bracket. I, well, I should hope so. I'm I'm very <laughs> happy for your bracket there. Uh, Pitt, Iowa State making a little comeback. Uh, they were down big to Pitt, but down seven at halftime iona yukon just kicked off or tipped off rather uh i yukon up 14 to 11 about five minutes into that one we'll have uh purdue taking on fdu about 550 so you know a little bit of a break in the action for now but you know it's still gonna be non-stop basketball we're talking about the best day of the year you are listening to the final drive on wnsp again brian stoltz coming up here at four o'clock if we have an open segment please give me a call i'd love to hear from you 251-694-1055 coming up next though brian stoltz auburn rivals keep it tuned in
time to lock in. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic, exciting, thrilling finish. Live from Mobile, Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP presents 99 yards away. Win this game for one another. The final drive with Corey Labounty and Michael Bronner. Do your job and play together. The final drive. Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it! Welcome back to the final drive, 105.5 WNSP. We have an open segment. Give us a call, 251-694-1055. I am Michael Brauner. Corey will be back on Monday, so don't fear. But Nathan and I are going to get you through the next two hours here. Holding down the fort. We're holding down the fort. I think we're doing an okay job. And if you don't think we're doing an okay job, well, I'm sorry. But I think we're doing an okay job. Excited for our next guest, one of my personal favorite guests. We got Brian Stoltz, Auburn Rivals, AuburnSports.com. Appreciate you hopping on with us, Brian. How you doing? Hey, guys, anytime. I think you're doing a heck of a job as well on the down the fort. Oh, I appreciate that, Brian. That's <laughs> very kind of you to say. So, I, Brian, you're in, you're in Birmingham. How are, how are the Alabama fans and Auburn fans getting along? Is it malicious? Like, what, what, paint, paint me a little. I read your column this morning, but paint me a little picture for those that might have, might have not read your column. Well, I think it was a little easier last night because they were in different sessions and the Alabama fans were pretty much gone when the Auburn fans arrived. But tomorrow, uh, they're in the same session. So uh, I'm sure the Auburn fans will uh, be here early for their game and then Alabama fans might arrive early and cheer for Houston and vice versa. Auburn fans might stay late and cheer for Maryland. So, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, both coaches have kind of said, yeah, I mean, we want to see each other win. We've we respect each other, but we also dislike each other and stuff like that. They've said the right things. Maybe they know saying that maybe Auburn fans weren't smart enough to say to know they should root for the SEC. Kind of hit a nerve a little bit ago. But uh, besides that, they've uh, you know they're telling their fans to root for the SEC over the rival, which you know it's never going to happen. But that's wishful thinking on their part. Well, I'll I'll get into the Iowa game in a second, but I, you know you you struck a chord here, so I I do want to ask you what you thought about one what Je- Zepp Jasper had to say, what Charles Barkley had to say. I I mean, surely I'm not rooting for Auburn. You're not rooting for Alabama. No. So 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 what what are we what are we doing here? I mean, I understand it's different. Like Zepp Jasper is is a normal person. Sports fans are not normal people. So uh, so I, <laughs> I, I I get it. But like, what what are we talking about here? Alabama and Auburn aren't rooting for each other. They're just being diplomatic. You know that they have to be. Uh, they're seeing the right things and maybe trying to win some fans on their side. But you know. You know the things are going to happen. I mean, if these uh, fans are together in the same arena, they're going to talk crap and battle and heckle each other and maybe even get in a fight after a couple beers. But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, the coaches and the coaches and Zepp Jasper and some of these guys are saying the right things, uh, trying to be diplomatic towards each other. I mean, the players know each other pretty well, I would assume, and probably are friends. So uh, they, may be, they might actually be rooting for, you know, individuals or teammates of, or former teammates of theirs on AAU teams or something like that. But the fans, no way. So uh, I think what uh, Barkley said, what Bruce said, what Zepp Jasper said, you know, they're 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 playing the right 
they're playing the right tune and they're playing the right way. And but like you said, it's never going to happen. Exactly. Like I said, you know, the players might be fans. The players are normal people, and, and fans are, are are quite literally the opposite of normal people. I mean, I'll be there on uh, on t- I'll be there tomorrow night, and you know, I'm going to get there for the Auburn game, and I'm not I'm not going to openly root for Houston because it's Houston, and I don't want Houston to do well either. But I'm not I'm not showing up with uh, with orange and blue pom poms either. So. <laughs> I wouldn't expect anybody to that roots for Alabama. That would be a blasphemous uh, statement or uh, act. So uh, you know, uh, you know, you can you can be respectful toward each team, but not be a fan and you know, not exactly root for the other team. But exactly, uh, you don't have to exactly root for Auburn or be an, if you're an Alabama fan or vice versa. And uh, you know, it'll be fun to see. It'll be a fun atmosphere like it was last night and during the afternoon. And I think it's great for the state. I think it's great for the uh, the two programs. I think it's great for the city of Birmingham. They got. They got so lucky with both these teams being here. You know, Alabama knew they were going to be here, but Auburn with the number nine seed had no inkling that they might be in Birmingham. And now they have a home court advantage against the number one overall seed in this region. And, uh, you know, uh, if that if the Auburn fans can kind of turn up and this team can play well, maybe they can pull off the upset. Yeah, I mean, I admittedly, I said in the first segment today, I kind of expect Auburn to, to win tomorrow based on based on how Houston looked against Northern Kentucky yesterday. We'll see. Mm-hmm. I, I you, you never know. So Auburn gets the eighty three to seventy five win over Houston. They did lead by seventeen in the second half. What are your overall thoughts on the game? I mean, did you think for a minute when Iowa cut it to four that what happened in Coleman Coliseum was happening again? Well, you know, Auburn's problem all year has been closing out games, and you saw it in Tuscaloosa a couple weeks ago. And, uh, you know, when that, when that league got down to four, there were some uh, tight, uh, you know, what's in the stands. And uh, uh, I think Lindell uh, Green came through uh, for this team. They made their free throws for once. They got some defensive stops. Janai Broom made four out of four free throws, which was huge. And uh, this team kind of pulled it out. I think the fans helped. But at the same time, it's the NCAA tournament game. And if, if uh, when it comes down to it, if you don't have the guts and you don't have the uh, will to uh, – Get yourself off the mat when it gets down to four points, uh, you're going to fade. And uh, this team uh, showed some resolve, and uh, I think uh, Bruce Pearl was proud of them. And, you know, a win like this can go a long way in, you know, setting up a run for this team. Well, you brought him up. Let, let's talk about Janai Broom for a second and just the impact he's uh-huh. had on this team this year. I mean, did you know you were getting a player this special when he transferred from Moorhead State? I mean, we, we thought, I mean, I thought, I mean, personally, I can just speak for myself, but I thought he was a very good major player. I didn't think he'd have this much impact, uh, but he's been uh, a dominant force sometimes inside for Auburn, especially against, uh, I can't say the guy's name from Serbia last night, uh, for Bocha or something like that. And, uh, you know, he, he, he uh, came down with his 10th double-double, which is huge. He made those free throws. Uh, he played his best defense in the second half, and uh, yeah, I think um, I think the expectations were there, but maybe not this high to where he can be an all well, he's an all SEC player this year, and then uh, you know maybe uh, make the leap to first team next year and kind of uh, start a run of uh, maybe making the NBA draft. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just, it, it's been pretty impressive. I, I think he's been the best player on the, on the team for most of the season. I mean, he has 19, he has 19, 12, and 5 blocks last night. I mean, it, it, it really has been special, the impact he's had on this team. And I, I, I mean, again, I, I think we knew we were, we knew he was a good player coming from Moorhead State, but I, I don't think anyone Absolutely. expected him to be a 19, 12 guy in the first round of the NCAA tournament. 
Well, when you have to make that leap from mid-major to a Power 5 conference, especially in the SEC, which is really, really loaded this year, you just never know who's going to make the leap. I mean, we know Green made the leap last year from uh, Eastern Kentucky uh, to uh, uh, also an OVC team, Ohio Valley Conference team, uh, to the starting point guard for a team that was ranked number one for three or four weeks and was a number two overall or number two seed. So uh, we've seen it before, but, you know, Broom has been critical to this team, and it's funny that both these, both Green and um, Broom, who are, I think, the two most critical players on this team, have come from mid-major. So I think that shows that mid-major basketball is really, really good. I think that shows that they can come. Maybe they were lightly recruited out of high school, but they can make, you know, for a year or two, they can uh, make the leap into Power 5, and you know they can make a difference in the NCAA tournament, which you know Auburn needs right now. So, uh I mean, kudos for Pearl, to Pearl for finding them out, uh, and uh, kudos to them for uh, you know contributing so much to this team that at times looked like it was going to fall out of NCAA tournament territory, and now uh, they have a chance to go to the Sweet 16 for you know, the second time in four years. Well, let's talk about this this nighttime slot. I mean, I think Auburn. Auburn definitely got the more favorable time slot between getting mm-hmm. the getting the six out of 840. I mean, uh, what, what what are we thinking about this? I, I, I Personally, I would much rather the games be in the afternoon, but that's not the way it shook out. I mean, are, are you going to get a round of golf in in the morning? I, I'm not going to get in any because I'm going to be driving up, but it's it's also – I know it's been rainy too. Uh, but, well, I mean, the what, rain, what – The rain here is going to probably hinder that. I am staying on Graystone with a friend, but uh, I don't think I'm going to get a round of golf in tomorrow because of the wetness. Uh, I'm on try, though. Well, I might just watch football. I mean, basketball. So, I might just scout out other opponents and see uh, if anybody else can pull off an upset and stuff like that. I mean, it's the best four days of the year. Exactly. I mean, you shouldn't you shouldn't uh, switch up uh, what you do usually. And uh, I always have time to play golf. I don't have time to March Madness first weekend is only four days out of the year. So, uh, I might just sit on the couch and veg uh, out and watch uh, some games and then come here and cover what I expect to be two great games. See, that's why we have Brian Stoltz on. He's a man of the people. He veges out on the couch and watches March Madness <laughs> jo- just like the rest of us. I, so I, like I did last night when I got home. I mean, that's, again, what, what do you what do you think the rest of us did? It's, it's like March. Like you said, it's the first weekend yeah. of March Madness. Exactly. I mean, uh, when I get done with work here, I'm going to go watch the late games and have a couple beers and uh, – Maybe have some nachos. Who knows? Absolutely. Who knows so, I mean, Auburn shot fairly well from three yesterday. They were 8 of 22, 36%. I mean, that's about what the teams who won yesterday shot, uh, you know, is 37% was on the average. The teams who lost uh, was closer to 27%. I uh, Northern Kentucky stayed in it against Houston shooting like 5 of 33, 15%. I know the three isn't the be-all, yeah. end-all, but it certainly is a good indicator. So, I mean, what chances do you give Auburn tomorrow? I, like I said, I think they're going to win tomorrow. I, I mean, if they're hitting threes, they can beat anybody. Excuse me, they can beat anybody. I mean, this team, if they're hitting from outside with Katie Johnson, with Trey Donaldson, who hit two big threes yesterday, with um, Wendell, and with the rest of the crew, I mean, Janai Brew hit was one for one for three point. He's he's been shooting well from beyond the arc uh, lately. So uh, if they this team is hitting forty you know, percent of the threes, they're going to be a tough out. And uh, playing in front of a you know, pro Auburn crowd in a arena that they're not very uh, much strangers to. Um, you know, that helps a lot. And uh, I don't know I, if they can do that. I wouldn't be surprised to see them win at all. Yeah, I I think a a big factor there is Houston just didn't really look like Houston last night. I, I I'm not gonna say that. 
I, I'm not I, after one not so great game against Northern Kentucky. I'm not going to say go so far as to say they're not the team we thought they were, but they certainly didn't look the part last night. And I understand Marcus Sather, Marcus Sasser's health plays a big factor there. Kelvin Sampson said Jamal Sheed is dealing with a knee injury as well. But I mean, he just Kelvin Sampson described it last night as quote unquote very concerned with the with the health of his two stars. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of relate it to the 2019 run for Auburn. I mean, they looked. They should have been beat by New Mexico State. New Mexico State had those free throws, and then they had a wide-open three. And if that happens, they don't go in that final four run. But after that one game, they killed Kansas. They absolutely ran North Carolina out of the uh, gym. And then they beat a good, good Kentucky team in overtime. And, you know, it, it, it just takes one game for you to struggle, and then you can get hot, and uh, nobody can stop you. I mean, yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I Like I said, I... I do think Auburn is going to win tomorrow. I, I'm not going to be surprised if they win tomorrow. Uh, you know, maybe I'm maybe I'm speaking a Houston win to, into existence. I don't know, but I, I I think I give Auburn a great shot tomorrow. I, the, the, uh, I'm going to give you a somewhat tough question before we wrap up here. Uh, so the term Bruce Pearl's best coaching job has been thrown a lot. Uh, thrown around mm-hmm. a lot with this team. I, I, I want you to r- rank them with these three results tomorrow. I, if Auburn okay. wins tomorrow and gets this team to the Sweet 16, if they lose a close game, or if they get smoked tomorrow, in those three results, like do you, in any of those three results, do you still call this Bruce Pearl's best coaching job? I think if they win tomorrow, it's his best coaching job, absolutely, because last year they had all the talent in the world. This year they just don't. Uh, they don't have a Jabari. They don't have a Walker Kessler, and these and these players aren't. You know, they're they're good, but they're not as talented as the Jared Harpers or Bryce Browns and uh, those guys in 2019. So yeah, I think getting them to the tournament, especially with the schedule they played near the end of the season, and getting some major wins. And if they win tomorrow, I think it is best coaching job, at least at Auburn. I will say that. I I I think that would be beyond fair to say i um mm-hmm. i got i gotta ask you uh also where where's the hugh freeze meter at i mean spring practice is well underway he kind of said the other day he returning to the sec west quote-unquote hits like a truck which obviously uh you know jumping from liberty to auburn i i can understand what he's talking about there he's done a great job in the transfer portal it's almost an entirely new roster uh, what what's the freeze meter at are we going to get a new quarterback in the building or or or, or are we all in on ashford I think the uh, quarterback who's going to be starting against uh, UMass is not on the roster yet. Wow. And uh, I, I, I just, that's just my feeling. I, I know that he thinks he can do great things with Robbie Ashford, much like he did Malik Willis. He sees a lot of Malik in uh, Ashford. Uh, when when Malik got to Liberty, he couldn't hit the broad side of a barn. And then uh, he got uh, some tutelage under Ken Austin, who's now an offensive analyst. And now he has Philip Montgomery behind him. And, you know, Hugh Freeze, which is a great uh, quarterback coach, even though he says Ken Austin's a much better quarterback coach than he is. But uh, I think uh, the quarterback's not on. Welcome back to a Friday final drop. Michael Brauner, Nathan Rothermel across the glass. Corey is out for the day. He'll be back on Monday. 251-694-1055. If you want to give us a call, give us your thoughts on the basketball. Tell us how your bracket's doing. Give your thoughts on how my bracket's doing. It's not as well. Not not going as well today. How Have you, you had better ones? Uh, In previous years, I mean. No, it's usually pretty awful. And it, admittedly, <laughs> like, 
you know, I, I really committed myself to the one bracket thing this year because I got, you know, so passionate about like, yeah, I've never been like, a, oh, I had this and this bracket and had this and this bracket. You know, that's the most annoying thing everyone, anyone can say when uh, when it comes to this time of year. But, you know, it, 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 admittedly, I, I've filled out multiple brackets before, but that, you know, this year really committed myself to the one bracket. But, you know, it's still looking pretty good. I'll tell you what, I don't have a single Elite Eight team eliminated yet. I don't even know if I have a Sweet 16 team. Oh, Arizona. Yeah, they're done. Uh, yeah, there, there, there's there's only like one Sweet 16 team eliminated for me. That's really, uh... What team, what team did you have? Arizona. They lost to Princeton. They lost to 15-seed Princeton yesterday, but ultimately to the benefit of the Alabama Crimson Tide, so... You know, I can I can live with that one. I can live with that one. Uh, yes, the way ESPN does it, um, they place so much emphasis on getting the Final Four teams right and the national championship teams right that it almost like doesn't matter. It's like I hate the way they do it. It's it, in, if, if you play in an ESPN bracket challenge pool, you know what I'm talking about. You don't get any more credit for picking an upset. That the uh, all the first round games are weighed the same. So like for example, I picked Furman over Virginia yesterday. I'm going to pat myself on the back. I thought that was a heck of a pick. Now, that is weighed the exact same as picking Alabama over Texas A&M Corpus Christi. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't think that's really fair. No, it doesn't really seem like it does. It? Why, why it does I can't believe it. I, I don't understand why it works that way. But, yeah, Penn State really put it on uh, Texas A&M last night. A&M is a kind of a team they, they've been – Obviously, they were a contender in the SEC. They they were uh, nipping on Alabama's heels all season long, and then ultimately, uh, they do. Obviously, they beat Alabama in the final game of the season after Alabama had already locked up the SEC regular season title. Uh, but yeah, A and M is kind of a team. That, I mean, they were never really competitive in the SEC championship game. Uh, they've they've gotten smoked by a couple of times, and they had some bad losses. I I had picked them yesterday, so I was I was a bit shocked by the result, and and I think the uh, the bracket makers who had set up a Texas A and M Texas round of thirty two matchup were probably a little bit upset as well. But I don't think any Texas A and M fan thought that they were actually a title contender. Uh, but that being said, to to see them just get smoked by a ten seed like that in the last game of the first day of the NCAA tournament was was a bit shocking for a team that was right on Alabama's heels all season long in the regular season, made the SEC championship game, had a good run in Nashville. Obviously, they didn't have a good Sunday against Alabama. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it was it was a bit shocking to see. We'll see if, uh, you know, a similarly seeded Kentucky fares a little bit better against Providence today. That's been a popular upset pick. I've seen a lot of people that had uh, Providence over Kentucky. Joe Gaither in the first hour said uh, Providence is going to beat Kentucky. Uh, personally, I have Kentucky. I, I, I Kentucky's a weird one. I, I, I had them going to the SEC tournament championship against Alabama. I think I actually, if you go to WNSP.com, I think I actually predicted Kentucky to win the SEC championship over Alabama. Uh, you know, which in hindsight, not great. Uh, but <laughs> I, I, I just, I don't know. I Kentucky's a team. I mean, they're talented. Obviously, they have a coach who's been there and done that. I, but I could just as easily see them fall into Providence tonight. I, I. 
I mean, no one, no one knows what's going to happen. So it's sitting here speculating, making predictions is pointless. But again, <laughs> th- th- this, this all being said, uh, we, you know, we'll see what happens with uh, with the Wildcats and the Friars tonight in the six eleven matchup in the East Region. That would set them up most likely with a matchup against Kansas State in the second round, unless Montana State has something to say about that. But bottom of the hour, we got Stephen Root coming up here. We'll get to him. Coming up on the other side of the break, we're about halfway done here, Nathan. We've we've uh, we're holding down the fort pretty successfully, so you know halfway done, halfway to go, almost to the weekend. We're uh, we're getting there. You know, hang in there with us. Two five one six nine four one zero five five during an open segment. If you want to give your thoughts on anything, and uh, again, Stephen Root coming up on the other side of the break, so keep it tuned in. Hi, this is Mark Malone, former NFL quarterback. You're listening to 105.5 WNSP. Welcome back to a Friday Final Drive. Michael Brauner. Here, Nathan Rothermel across the glass. Corey is out today. He will be back on Monday. Thank you very much for tuning in. If you have tuned in for this first hour and a half, I hope you tune in for the second hour and a half. But one of my favorite guests coming up here next, Stephen Root. I guess I guess we'll call that. Well, I guess we'll call this a, a pseudo Root report. How are you, buddy? I'm good, man. I've been listening to you guys. I, I like the show. A lot of energy. Doing great. <laughs> I appreciate, it, man. Yeah, someone in the app asked if. Uh, Asked how many Red Bulls I drank before going on the air, which the answer is actually zero. But Sick. you know, you know, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna bring it when, uh, when I'm sitting in the host chair. Yeah, man, you're passionate about what you do. I love it. I appreciate it, man. Uh, all right, so there's a few different directions I can start. You know, the root report. Uh, if you've been a long time listener to the show, is generally a, uh, a mishmash melting pot. So we'll. Uh, of, uh, of, of things uh, that are of interest to Stephen Root, and we're going to make them of interest to, to me and you as well. So let's start with Jalen Carter. You know, I, I guess that's kind of a kind of a thumbs down, not so great note to start on, but we're going to start on it anyway. So it sounds like he's in the process of clearing up his legal situation. You know, he entered a plea deal with Athens Clark County, pled no contest, 12 months probation, $1,000 fine. 80 hours community service, complete a driving course, no jail time. Again, uh, Jalen Carter, if, if you didn't know, was involved in the, the tragic death of a, of a teammate and, and a team staffer. Not not directly involved. He, he was allegedly racing and, and uh, you know, was might have not been fully truthful with, with police. So it was a very odd situation, but sounds like legally he's, uh, he, he's clear at least. Uh, so good news for him there. But uh, the news that came out on Wednesday uh, with Georgia's pro days that he showed up out of shape and, and and couldn't complete his drills. Yeah, I mean, I guess it'll sound like I'm I'm making excuses for Jalen Carter, but uh, I mean, just imagine going through all that yeah. stuff and then having to have the spotlight on you at all times, like he is pre-draft. I mean. It's been a lot to go through for that guy. And one thing about, uh, I guess, some words that came out after, you know, he avoided the jail time, but it was made clear that he didn't 
leave the scene of the accident without permission to do so. I guess the police gave him permission to do so. I think a lot of people thought that um, or had the idea that maybe he fled the scene and basically left his friend there to die, but that was not the case. Um, I don't know, man. That's a lot to go through, a lot of pressure on you, uh, just having all eyes on you at this moment. And, you know, maybe that's just not great on his mental health leading up to the pro day. And he did not show up for that. I mean, I don't know. You know, you can make a joke and say there are teams at the top he doesn't want to play for. I don't think that is the case. But, you know, I still trust the player and the talent. I think uh, now that he's kind of got some of this stuff settled or at least knows what he'll have to do going forward, I mean, you just kind of got to get back to work and try to just try to have your name in a better place for the draft. No, I, I think I think he's going to be okay. I still trust the talent that he is. So I think that is important to note what you just said about uh, not fleeing the scene. It, admittedly, I haven't read a ton in, into the situation, but that certainly is what was being thrown around. Uh, you know, for, for, uh, again, you know, first and foremost, you know, just a, a tragic situation all around. Two people lost their lives, uh, and you, you don't want to uh, lose sight of that. Uh, and as for Carter's involvement, it, it was the waters were murky. We didn't really know exactly what happened, but I, I think what you just said is important to note because uh, a lot of, you know, when a situation like this happens, I think, you know, everyone is quick to, uh, you know, go to Twitter with their take on it and and, uh, and say why this person is a horrible person without maybe knowing exactly what happened. So I, I, I do appreciate you at least coming on and, and clearing that up for us. But, yeah, I mean, I, I, I do think you're right that this isn't easy for him. It, it, he is dealing with, with a lot. And so while, yeah, the headlines were not good to read around Jalen Carter— I, I the, there there is a person there that is dealing with a like a real life tragedy, and and a person that is trying to take a giant step in his life and and you know he's a lot of money laying on the table there and and uh, you know there's a, of course there's pressures from external factors too I mean there there's a lot going on in the life of Jalen Carter. Yeah, I mean, he had a friend die. I mean, yeah, it was a horrible situation to be in that, that led to that. But, yeah, I mean, there was some bad reporting. That's a pretty important detail that was left out in a lot of early reportings of what happened was that um, he was given permission to leave the scene. Um, but, I mean, go back farther, man. We were talking about Todd McShay and what he had to say. And uh, a lot of people thought that he was coming out of nowhere questioning the character of Jalen Carter. I even, you know, came on for whenever that I was. Remember, yeah. But I don't know, was I even still there? I may have still been there. Whenever that was, it was still during the season when Todd McShay came out. Um, character concerns. You know, it, yeah, just questioning the character. But, you know, it's even more unfortunate that I guess maybe some of those things came true but at the time people were on McShay for saying that stuff with you know maybe just unsubstantiated I know he had the support of his coaching staff and teammates and everybody talking about the the good guy that he is but uh, I don't know man that's a lot for somebody to go through losing a friend and you have to make sure physically you're all there for this NFL draft it's just a lot and you know it takes somebody it, it was just probably an impossible thing not to have some of it catch up with you and 
It looks like it did. But I don't know. He's still got some time here to maybe get himself right and hopefully it doesn't suffer make him suffer too much in the draft. Yeah. I'm not I'm not I'm not seeing a way he falls. You know, if you could start looking at it that way, I mean how far could he possibly fall? The that, talent is too great that he is not slipping out of the top ten. That, again, that's that's the next thing I, I was gonna say. It's like you know, and you hate to just make it from uh, the tragic situation to where's the guy going to be drafted? Because you know, again, these, well, these, these are human beings here. But again, that it, it's impossible to not ask that question uh, because I mean, it's we're, this is a guy we were talking about as a potential number one pick, and obviously, you know, with the Bears trading out, that wasn't going to be the case regardless. But a potential top three pick, without a doubt, and uh, you know, has this legal situation come up, and then is now having these issues at his pro day. And, and, and I mean, you're talking red flag after red flag, and we know the talent. We've seen the talent on the field. We, you know, it's on tape. Uh, like you said, I mean, the initial McShay report was refuted by all accounts. Uh, so I, I didn't take a whole lot of stock into that at the time. Uh, like, surely he's not going to drop out of the top ten, right? No, I don't think there's any way. I mean, some of those teams would be crazy to let them go by, whether it's. Atlanta at eight. I mean, the Bears. What a what a you know. If he were to be there available at nine for the Bears, who knows? But yeah, there's too many teams. Whether it's up Seattle, Detroit, Atlanta, they're they're all right there, and they'd be absolutely insane to let this guy slip by. Yeah, I, I mean, if he gets to nine for the Bears, I mean, if you're the Bears, that might have been the guy you you were initially going to take. So, uh, yes, I I would also be shocked if he if he does slip past nine. All right, we'll 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 move on from that uh, for now. So I did see a mock draft today with uh, the Detroit Lions taking Anthony Richardson at sixth overall. I know you don't want that. Uh, I wouldn't want that either. I you know we'll get more into the draft. I'm sure. Uh, as we as we move into April, but I'm not high on Anthony Richardson. I so I mean whatever. I, I mean if Bryce Young drops to six, go ahead, take him at six. But I mean what what, what what's your ideal situation? I I'm a bit I'm very high on Devin Witherspoon, the corner from Illinois, Tyree Wilson uh, from Texas Tech, the edge, or Miles Murphy from Clemson. The, those would both be good picks. What's what's your ideal world there? Yeah, you said all of it, just about. I don't know who's responsible for that horrible mock draft. That's that's garbage, man. You can't do that. The Detroit, they've been so disciplined in their rebuild and doing it the right way where it led to fans having some, like, actual real excitement that has not been had in a long time. And it's how they've gone about it and assembling their front office all the way down. Um, the secondary is a bad spot. They've... Already tried to address some of that in the past few days. Um, they've made some moves. Emmanuel Mosley they've brought in. Um, who else? Uh, but still, to the point, yeah, I'm, I love Tyree Wilson. That's kind of a name that's right there. But uh, who knows if Jalen Carter's available. That's, that's who I'm taking. But Witherspoon, he's, he's really good, too. So you, you've said already um, what – what they're probably looking at, but I just don't think you go quarterback here. Jared Goff has proved already that he might not be, you know, the flashiest thing, but he is solid as can be. Um, their offensive line is one of the best in the league. And bringing in David Montgomery, I know that Jamal Williams to New Orleans, that's a good get for New Orleans. And apparently Detroit made him a disrespect, disrespectful offer, so he says. Um, but you're upgrading the running back spot with David Montgomery, no doubt. 
Um, anyone would be great behind that offensive line. Um, but I'm not I'm not going quarterback in the draft that early. I mean, if Hendon Hooker is available somewhere, I'm a huge fan of his. Later on, then okay, and that's a project that can be behind um, Jared Goff while he gets healthy. That that makes all the sense to me. But trying to go that early in the draft on what is still a raw project, that's not how they've done this rebuild, and that's not going to be what they do. Uh, there's no way that's what happens. Um, there's, there's some quarterback desperate teams up there at the top. Detroit's not one. You've got your guy that – you can at least rely on. You know what you're going to get and what you're going to get. Usually pretty good out of Jared Goff. He's not going to be the reason you're losing. Um, so I just think they stick to what they've done and re- keep this, you know, I mean, the rebuild's got to start showing something, and it better, too. Aaron Rodgers leaving the north. It looks like it could be falling in Detroit's hands for the next few years, and that's how it's been set up, and that was the goal. Um, but that is that is absurd to think that they should take Richardson that hot. Yeah, you've been uh, you've been adamant about that from the beginning, even when it looked like the Lions could have a top three pick. Or, you, or you, I mean, did, are you the biggest Jared Goff fan on the planet? I understand. I mean, I, I understand. I'm. I don't disagree with anything you said, but like, you were anti-drafting Bryce Young if he was available. Well, I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of any of these quarterbacks, and uh, I. I'm really curious who the Panthers love that much to have given up what they gave up. Yeah. Um, I, I think, I feel like, I don't know. C.J. Stroud has looked just great at, at his at the combine, just as smooth as can be. Um, I still have plenty of questions about Bryce Young, but I don't love any of these quarterbacks. Yeah, these quarterback desperate teams, they're going to do what they do at the top of the draft, but Troy's not in that spot. You've built out. No, I'm not the biggest golf fan in the world, but, you know, I, I at least know what I'm going to get. And look at how the season ended for Detroit. It was pretty damn good. And he was pretty damn good. So, I mean, having that stability there, you're not having to pay him just a ton right now. I get having somebody you'd want to maybe develop behind him, but you're too close to real success where a, you know, you can get an impactful player that could help you immediately. But drafting a guy, when you're when you're in that spot, like Green Bay was when they drafted Jordan Love, what could have that draft pick been? You know, and I just, Detroit's not in the spot to be throwing away that early pick on a guy that, I mean, isn't going to play. So you try to go having a Aiden Hutchinson and Tyree Wilson on one side, that's, that's a, that could be big. But that helps you right now. That's what they're looking at. I mean, that, that division's there to be had. So let's have it now and not worry about you know down the road this is what you've been building for what's going on with john morant i mean, we haven't spent a whole lot of time talking about it on this show specifically but i mean eight game suspension is this just gonna end up being a blip on his like if we're, if we're looking down five ten years down the line it's gonna be oh remember that one season where john morant had a couple of incidents with guns like multiple times in one season uh and do you believe he's just going to come back from that i mean because on the court i mean he's one of the most fun players to watch in the league well you and Corey don't have to talk about it that much because uh, there's a great great nba podcast you could listen to if you didn't know called the double team i was getting to Uh, that Nick (laughs) nick wiggins and i have been all over it man and we just dropped our episode uh it's out right now. Go listen to the new one. Um, we kind of try to put that topic to bed because that's that's 
all we can do at this point. It's been a mess. Um, even just in the past day or two, I think uh, his old Instagram account from when he was like... Welcome back to a Friday Final Drive. Michael Braun and Nathan Rothermel getting you through to the weekend. We're almost there. Just about two hours down, almost, once we get through this last minute here. Looks like Creighton is going to pull it off against NC State, unfortunately. Would have been a nice, would have been a nice another out for Alabama, but that's all right. Creighton's going to pull it out against NC State. We got... Am I mistaken, Nathan? We got Iona leading UConn at halftime over there? No, that's that's what mine says, too. It's not an error. <laughs> not an error. Iona leading UConn at halftime. That would be the uh, Rick Pitino-led 13-seed Gales of Iona leading UConn. What was it? What is it, a one-point game? Uh, it looks like 39 to 37. I'm doing this radio show or something. It's distracting me from, uh, from <laughs> you all should the, stop from, doing from, the radio from all show the basketball. Yeah. And go watch basketball. And doesn't the radio show know that there's basketball going on? Uh, it's just, our, uh, our listeners might be grateful. You never know. I mean, you know, they should be watching <laughs> basketball too, but <laughs> uh, yeah. So Creighton's going to beat, uh, NC state. So it appears it's like a, it's like an eight point game with a minute left. So barring something crazy there, uh, Pitt just, put it on six seed iowa state which oh boy uh not great in the world of myself or nathan there i think but it is what it is and uh you know we we move on it, you know we'll we'll live we'll build up we'll build up we'll, we'll we'll build back up really excited about our next interview we've had him on once before tusk he's the uh founder and editor at tuscaloosa patch ryan phillips he's gonna update us on what's going on with this kai spears thing up in tuscaloosa new york times mike Rodak. there's a lot of layers here so uh should be a pretty good interview keep it tuned in one more hour final drive 105.5 wnsp From Mobile, Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP presents 99 yards away. Win this game for one another. The final drive with Corey Labounty and Michael Bronner. Do your job and play together. The final drive. Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it. Welcome into hour number three of a Friday final drive. I'm Michael Brauner, Nathan Rothermel on the other side of the glass, keeping the show running, keeping us afloat today. We appreciate everything Nathan's doing over on the other side. Thank you so much for, for being here, Nathan. Double duty for Nathan today. How about that? Hey, it's my pleasure. Wake up at 5 o'clock, come in for the morning show, 
Come back in for the afternoon. Don't, you know, I've I've done it before. We've all we've all uh, we've all served our time doing doing double duty. But in all seriousness, thank you very much. We do, we do appreciate it. But again, uh, Corey will be back on Monday. So thank you guys for staying tuned with us through uh, through a fantastic Friday. And uh, again, Corey will be back on Monday. But bottom of the hour, we're gonna have former South Alabama head coach Ronnie Arrow on. It's the 34 year anniversary of the shot that rolled the tide in 1989. So you know this that interview could be painful could be great depending on uh depending on where your allegiances lie there uh but you know coming up right now uh really uh honored to have ryan phillips from the tuscaloosa patch on ryan has been really at the center of the coverage throughout this entire uh alabama basketball situation and uh you know does great work at the tuscaloosa patch overall so uh thank you so much for hopping on ryan how are you doing today Hey, thank you guys for having me. Doing great. Oh, man, anytime. So, I mean, obviously it's been, I mean, it's been a whirlwind of a uh, of a month in terms of uh, media coverage surrounding the Alabama basketball situation uh, as uh, really since January 15th, obviously, rightfully so. Uh, and then, you know, of course, uh, the Brandon Miller thing broke a few weeks after that. We talked to you kind of on that day and uh, you were at the center of that. You were at the at the hearing and, uh, you know, you, you were kind of. One of the guys who who uh, cut through everything on Twitter. I think everyone has a tendency to uh, get their take up on Twitter, whether whether uh, they've read all the information or not. But you know, again, appreciate your reporting on that. But again, there was another layer added to this the other day. When I mean, for those of for listeners that might not be aware, can you kind of just give us an update on the timeline of exactly what happened? With the Kai Spears New York Times report, I mean, Mike Rodak is getting dragged on Twitter. Alabama denied it. Just like a, a full recap as to exactly what's happened over the last, you know, 36 hours or so. Sure. Uh, and like I wrote in my column the other day, I, I, I think it was uh, the night before, or the night that the story broke, uh, I was working on an analysis piece before uh, the game on Thursday. And all of a sudden start seeing all the, the Kai Spears news. Now, I had heard it for a few days in the lead-up um, that there was a possibility that his name could come out. But, yeah, I really didn't have anything in the way of, of sourcing to substantiate that other than just stuff on background. Um, and then it comes out, and there's a full-on firestorm in retaliation, right? That you have, uh, you know, Kyle Spears, his, his father's the uh, athletic director at Marshall University. Um, and the university came out against it, called it inaccurate. Uh, and then a series of um, different statements started being released by uh, everybody from, from Kyle Spears himself, he posted on Instagram, uh, to a, a second kind of follow up um, statement, you know, decrying the New York Times coverage. Uh, you know, that he made through his attorney. Um, and there's still a lot of questions with that. I've, I've been working the story and trying to uh, to get to the center of that. You got to parcel out truth from, uh, you know, just speculation. But as of right now, nothing has really changed with it. Um, you know, one of the things that, that I think gets overlooked in all this is, you know, that you have all of these statements, right? And the way that anytime I've ever had anything that was wrong that I reported, which happens more than, than you would think, um, that somebody will immediately come out and demand a correction or retraction or, or, or some kind of immediate action like on my part to address what I got wrong, right? I mean, that's how journalism works. And in none of those statements did we see that. 
Um, I thought that was a little odd, uh, you know, but uh, who, who knows? I'm sure they have rationale, and I'm sure each one of those uh, statements w- was stamped off on by about 10 different people. So, you know, that's kind of where we're at now. Uh, they're, they're still maintaining that he had, you know, was not in the vicinity of the shooting at all. Um, but uh, to that point, there was somebody else in the car with Miller, uh, with Brandon Miller, that is. Uh, you know, just reading through the, the court transcript, the transcript from the preliminary hearing right before this show, just to kind of get myself caught up. And the investigator flat out just doesn't even remember the guy's name, you know. So that's kind of where we're at. Um, and it is. It's complicated. It's, there's a, it seems like there's a new development every day. So that's where we're at. I mean – and, and, and you you put it in your column that that you had heard maybe alluding to the possibility that that this could have been the case, which which feels eerily similar to the rumblings before the the court hearing that that Brandon Miller and and Jaden Bradley's name were were going to come up in this. Uh, so I you know I'm not asking you here like like what do you believe happened? It, it's just it's just such a fascinating media situation here in terms of like the coverage of the the sourcing of it i'm i'm wondering like is the new york times sources the same sources that that you have it, it, there's just so many layers to this it was that I, I i honestly my working theory with that is tuscaloosa is a, a growing city you know and it's it's bigger than your average small town but in many respects it is still a small town um, and I'm convinced that a lot of what I was getting on background was, you know, the way I put it in my column was scuttlebutt, you know, just from like chatty townies that, you know, once this New York Times reporter had started asking questions of people, then the rumor mill kind of gets started. Folks start talking with each other. And then I, I'm fairly certain that's how it got back to me. Um, but it is, it's, it, it's odd that it all kind of came to a head, but when we've known again since the prelim that there was somebody else in the car now i will in, in terms of giving giving your listeners some inside baseball as to at least how i operate i can't speak to how my colleagues operate but when an investigator we've already heard the most famous person in college basketball right now's name come out during the prelim not to mention we heard Jaden bradley's name come out so I, I'm sure, like they had a rational. My theory was that they had a rationale for not naming the other individual who was in Brandon Miller's car. Um, I don't know if it's because they were a witness or whatever rationale that, that the investigator might have. Uh, it, it didn't send up alarm bells at the moment. And then when this story comes out, when this broke this week uh, about the Ty Spears possible connection, you know, it all kind of brought it full circle, right? Then those questions start being asked again. Um, and we're really, I don't think, any closer, at least I'm not, any closer to, to knowing for a fact who, who that other individual was. I, I mean, based on what you had heard and, and what, like you said, it, it's very likely that it was just, quote-unquote, the scuttlebutt from from uh, townies of Tuscaloosa. But sim- like I said, similarly, it was at least – in terms of what I had heard, it was just scuttlebutt with Brandon Miller and Jaden Bradley, and you know, I, I, someone, someone had said that to me a month before the hearing, and I, they, I was asked, "Is this true?" Of course, I, you know, I have no inside knowledge. I, someone asked me, "Is this true?" And I said, "What? I don't think so. I have no reason to believe that anything, anything remotely like that is true." So I, I mean, to when you say 
the scuttlebutt, I, that that that's why you know that that sounds a bit odd to me. So based on that, I mean, were you surprised that Chris Spears and and whoever else, you know, they're threatening legal action? What's your response to that? Right. No, uh, I will say the difference in the two situations is that, and I think I said this the last time I was on your show, that when the shooting happened, it couldn't have been three or four hours after that I already started, I started getting message after message from very trustworthy sources that were saying that, that Brandon and Jaden were both there uh, at the shooting. So there was a lot more to substantiate with that. And I think I, I had mentioned it on your show that once I knew that, but I knew I, I didn't have anything other than just background information to report on, I, was, I could kind of see the progression of things. I was like, if they were there, it's going to come out in the prelim. And then if Brandon Miller's name enters the conversation, this goes from a regional, statewide, and maybe like a somewhat of a national story uh, since Darius was a, an Alabama basketball player. But once Brandon Miller's name enters the conversation, it, it is a massive national story. Um, and it was. It's kind of like the sum of all fears. With I hate, I've used that analogy so much, yeah. it's kind of worn out, but that's what it was. Um, but with it, when comparing and contrasting how that developed with how the the Kai Spears stuff developed, there there are a whole lot of a whole lot of differences, more so than there are similarities. Well, I mean, if we know the fact that there was another person in the car with Miller, I mean, is there a possibility that it was it was a woman friend of his? I I, I mean, like I feel like there are so many possibilities here that I, I it's just so odd that Kai Spears' name of all people would be just kind of thrown into it like that. Right. And I, I, I have my working theories on that. Um, you know, I think it's been reported that, you know, I, I think that Brandon had, had mentioned him in a text message or something. Okay. Uh, that it was something kind of far removed. Uh, not n- Nothing of the sort that places him at the scene of a, a shooting, you know? Um, because after the, right, the, the day before, not the day, the day, before the shooting, because uh, this happened the, the next morning, uh, that Alabama had played LSU. It was a big blowout win. And then, like, I, I think it's a tradition that the team does that after every home game, they have, like, a team dinner at Chuck's. Uh, it's a restaurant downtown. Um, and I think that might be kind of where the origins of this might have started. Uh, again, that's pure speculation on my part. Uh, but it, that kind of seems to indicate if they were – ever together we're ever in the same vehicle or in the same vicinity it likely would have resulted from that so i mean chris spears came out and said used the term demonstrably false in in terms of this story like you said kai spears posted on in, on instagram that this this entire you know he's hurt and and recovering from this i i mean it's just I, I, again, I'm not going to ask you, you know, what do you believe happened because because you don't know. But and I'm not going to ask you, do you believe uh, what Kai Spears and Chris Spears are saying? It just feels like they wouldn't come out so strongly like this and and threatening the going the course of threatening legal action and using terms like demonstrably false, which you know you I'm sure you know the uh, the the law on with with regards to pursuing legal action better than I do. I just feel like they wouldn't come out so strongly against it if it weren't if what they're saying wasn't the truth and it, it would definitely appear that way they uh 
seem very convinced, or not very convinced, that they are, are absolutely hammering their position. Um, but to double back to what I said kind of at the beginning, that to me when hearing or when reading these statements, I do just find it a little bit odd that nobody is asking for a retraction. And that, now granted, they might have, you know, the attorneys might have reached out to the New York Times or uh, yeah, I'm sure maybe they've communicated, but I'm just really surprised that in the the bigger sense in these statements that have gone public that are kind of setting the narrative around the story that they're not asking for like the basic you know action that you take before we get into legal action. Um, but I do, and I think it it could be something as simple as a a mix up, a mistaken identity. Who knows? I mean what we're still trying to figure out. Um, but they did. They came out hot and heavy against it. Uh, so they definitely are, are going to stick by their guns because, you know, you think about what would happen if it came out that Kyle Spears actually was there. And now we've committed to this narrative. I'm, I'm, that, that would be extremely damaging to a lot of people. Um, you know, if it turns out that these statements – you know, weren't true that they're making. Yeah, and I think there's something that caught my eye with the statement that the university released. Uh, there's a part in it where I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but this is somewhat what it said that to, according, like according to the information that we have, that kind of leaves it open ended, doesn't yeah. it? I, I guess the university is kind of covering. Their own case, and and the off chance that what Kai Spears is saying is not the truth, uh, and and you know maybe they don't know. But I mean, uh, our own Mark Heim, I guess, kind of issued an inquiry to the New York Times, asking you know what's what, what the what the deal is here, what's going on here. Welcome back to a Friday Final Drive. If you want to give your thoughts, 251-694-1055, give us a call. We got, we got a couple minutes here. Give us a call now if you want to give your thoughts on March Madness, on anything Ryan Phillips said. Really any of it. Come hang out. <laughs> Come hang out. I'm Michael Bronner, Nathan across the glass. <laughs> Nathan, double duty Nathan, we're calling. That's, double, that, that, that's what the I, people are saying. <laughs> I don't know if I want that one to stick. <laughs> well, it's too late. That's, uh, I have no choice. That's what that's what they're uh, that's what they're calling them. So, you know, man, I can't. I we'll have to we'll have to have Ryan Phillips on again sometime. You know, he's always very insightful. You know, I lo- I love the the journal. You know, I'm not a I don't really consider myself a quote unquote journalist. You know, I got into radio so I could keep the fandom aspect of it and personality you know, well i come on it's, it's, i don't i mean because you can put personality into into writing you know i write on the website i i, I try to put a little bit of my personality into it i i try to inject some life into the stuff i write but you know when it comes to the term journalism it's like the the first rule of journalism is is being unbiased and and uh you know being objective and like it, that's how it should be that's how a journalist should be you know i got into radio so because at at my core at my heart i'm a sports fan and uh you know 
I come on here and, and talk about how I'm rooting for Alabama to win the game. Like, of course, I'm rooting for Alabama to win the game tomorrow. Whereas if I was a journalist, I you know can't exactly say that. Uh, but, you know, it's just really fascinating stuff. The the journalism angle of things. And, you know, Phil, I think Ryan does a great job of getting to the heart of a story like that. It's, uh, you know, he, he does great work up the Tuscaloosa patch. So definitely do check him out. Really, uh, really great stuff there. Obviously, like I said, we got Ronnie Arrow coming up here at the bottom of the hour. It's it's been a good show today, Nathan. I I, I really I think it has. You know, it's, all right. What what do we got here, basketball wise? Let's dip back into the March Madness. UConn has taken a ten point lead over the Gales. That's a bummer. Yep. I thought there. I thought Patino was gonna pull it out. Any have any games gone final? What do you got over there? Creighton the went final. Creighton NC State. Yeah. What's that final? I don't know. Creighton won. I just saw ba- I just saw Baylor Shireman doing his uh, doing his little post game presser. So, you know, it is what it is. Wishful wishful thinking to think that uh, Alabama's three greatest threats were going to be eliminated in uh, <laughs> on the first in the first round. So you do get that epic Creighton Baylor matchup uh, coming up on Sunday. Now, man, that's gonna be that's gonna be a really really good game. I'm I'm really looking forward to that. So in, in you know. Let's be un- unbiased journalism. That's a sure. re- that's a really good basketball game coming up. I hope both teams lose. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that sounds unbiased I, to me. I, well, I, let's hope that that game goes to twelve overtimes, and uh, and you know they really just you know two teams fighting it out, going hard at each other, and uh, you know one team has to win, but you know maybe 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 make them make them play an extra. 30 minutes or I just so. hope it's not a shutout It'd just be disappointing <laughs> yeah i don't i somehow i think you know <laughs> both both solid defensive teams but somehow i think they'll be able to put up at least at least a couple of balls in the hoop i think i think i mean missouri seven seed missouri tigers i uh, defeated utah state yesterday they got a date with Prince. Uh, I mean, I'm just realizing this now as I'm saying this sentence. We got a Tigers-Tigers matchup in the round of 32 in the in the South Conference. Missouri against Princeton. Princeton is the Tigers, if I'm not mistaken, correct? I believe so. Okay. I, I'm, I thought so. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, so Missouri, who, I mean, we talked to Matt Stahl all the time. I believe he's from the Columbia Tribune. Uh, and Matt, you know. Kind of, I asked them if they were playing with house money a little bit, just because there were such low expectations. First season for Dennis Gates and the Missouri Tigers, and uh, obviously they have such a great season. You know, you get a double buy in the SEC tournament. Uh, you give Alabama a good game, and you go, you get in as a te- as a seven seed. You handle Utah State in a game you actually, if I'm not mistaken, they weren't favored in, uh, even though they were the seven seed, and now you get you get a little break. The fact that Arizona lost to Princeton, again, we saw what happened with St. Peter's last year. 15 seeds can make a run to the Elite Eight. I don't think they can go further than that. You know, I, hey, I'd be I'd be happy to, like like Joe Gaither and I talked about early in the show, I'd be happy to see Princeton as Alabama's Elite Eight opponent. But that being said, I mean, Missouri, this team could legitimately go to the Sweet 16, which seemed not remotely possible before the season so heck of a job by coach dennis gates and the missouri tigers uh you know love that for them i got you know in terms of sec teams i strongly dislike missouri really ranks near the bottom of that list i got nothing against missouri but uh you know so we'll, we'll we'll keep an eye on that san diego state against Furman uh tomorrow as well uh to see who goes to the sweet 16 there and then uh 
ideally the winner of that one will play Alabama. We'll see if it works out that way. But it's March, man, so a lot of basketball going on still. Coming up next, we're going to have Ronnie Arrow, former head coach of South Alabama, head coach of the team. The shot that rolled the tide, it's the 34-year anniversary on St. Patrick's Day. We're going to talk to Coach Arrow about that. We're going to talk to him about Corpus Christi. We're going to talk to him about a couple different things. So it's going to be good stuff. Keep it tuned in to the other side. Michael Braun or Nathan Rothermel. Final Drive, 105.5 WNSP. This is Jordan Farley from the University of Alabama. You're listening to 105.5 WNSP. Roll Tide. Welcome back to a Friday final drive. Michael Bronner, Nathan Rothermel, getting you through to your weekend. Almost there, Nathan. Getting close. Well, I know it's been a long day for you. You worked both <laughs> shows today. It's all right. Ah, we, you know, we do pay you. We do, we do pay you. So enough. We, <laughs> what is enough, really? Uh, <laughs> Anyway, really excited about our next guest. He's the former head coach of the South Alabama Jaguars. It is the 34-year anniversary today of the shot that rolled the tide in the 1989 NCAA tournament. He is Ronnie Arrow. Coach, how are you? Really appreciate you hopping on with us today. Oh, I appreciate it. Anytime you get a chance to talk about basketball, especially the 89 team, it's always a, a pleasure. What I see... Uh, the shot that rolled the tide over the years, it keeps going in. That makes me feel good. I mean, it, it is the best time of year, Coach. It, it is March. It's the first weekend of March Madness. Uh, you know, and like you said, anytime we get to talk basketball, it, it is a good day. So, I I mean, we'll, we'll get this one out of the way now. Uh do you, the the man whose chair I'm sitting in right now, he was the ball boy. If you didn't, if uh, for those of you listeners who didn't know, he was the ball boy for that South Alabama team, and the one, the first one that Ronnie Arrow picked up after the after the famous shot. Coach Corey wanted me to ask you: Do you think you could still pick him up now? I don't think so. I don't know if I could have picked him up then, but the adrenaline that was flowing after that game, I. I probably could have picked up that whole building. Uh, it was just a just a great win. Uh, I when I talk to Jeff all the time, he always tells me that it was really special for him because Alabama never recruited him, so he sort of got back on him uh, that time. I, I, I that's so special and and so so phenomenal to hear and. and I mean, so that, that, that's got to be probably the best moment in, in South Alabama athletics history. You take down the in-state rival in a game probably not a lot of people expected you to win. And, and, I mean, we're still talking about it here 34 years later. That's longer than I've been alive, Coach. <laughs> yeah, it, uh, it was special that year. We were 23-9, and some people don't realize at the end of the year we were ranked 24th in the nation. Uh, number 25 was UCLA. So at the end of the year, we was uh, rated higher in the top 25 than uh, UCLA. But uh, people uh, always come up to me. I'm sort of the coach that got to coach peanut butter and jelly. They don't, they don't know me. They just know I got to coach peanut butter and jelly. But uh, I think, I, I, if I'm not mistaken, uh, I think Junie used to change on me. Uh, 
uh, Junie was peanut butter because he said that they liked to he liked to um, hold on to people and stick to them, and Jeff was was jelly because he was smooth. I think he changed those sometimes just to see what I think about it. But um, <laughs> it was special. Uh, that whole team, that whole year, the thing that brought that team together was Gave Astava. Uh, Terrence Brodnack was the other uh, guard. Uh, we ran a three-guard offense. I think that we might have been. I won't say we were the first in Division One, but uh, we ran a three-guard offense. A lot of people are doing that now, actually. That was the type of ball that was played in junior college where I came from because you had a lot of guards at that level. But uh, the bottom line was is that we liked to get up and down the court. Uh, I moved Junie to the point guard spot. He was actually playing a three spot. And I told him, I brought him in, I said, Junie, I don't know if you're going to like this or not, but if you ever have a chance to make the pros, they don't care about 6'3", uh, three men or six foot three, three men, if, uh, you'd be a big point guard and it would be to your advantage and our advantage. But, you know, that doesn't mean every time you bring the ball down, you get the shot. So he, he really had to work at it to be able to be not only a scorer, but to get us in an offense down the court. I mean, pe- peanut butter is smoother than jelly. No coach. <laughs> well, you got to talk to you got to talk to Jeannie. He he sat up all night one night trying to think how he could get more recognition for Jeff and him, and he came up with that. So that was that was all his bag. Maybe maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll have to ask them the same question one of these days. But I mean, so for for the listeners that might not be aware, I mean, the next round after after beating Alabama, I mean, y'all had. The eventual national champions, Michigan, y'all had them down nine in the second half, and and I mean that was their hardest game of the, of the NCAA tournament. So, I I mean, and I don't I don't even really know where I'm going with that. I I, I know that's probably a, a painful question I'm asking you, but I I couldn't not bring it up. Steve Steve Fisher became the coach. He's a good friend of ours. He just became the coach like at midterm or a little bit before that, and. Uh, uh, when we were playing him, we always used to pride ourselves on our tough defense. And uh, when we came back on Alabama, we were 19 points down at halftime. And we came back and beat them. And, uh, you know, I, I, we were started out in a half-court trap. And uh, they were hitting everything they threw up halftime. I told our guy, they cannot continue to shoot like that. And they didn't. And we were able to make the shot at the end, uh, got to play Michigan. Uh, the Miller kid inside was gigantic with Glenn Rice, and we were tied with them with two minutes to go. And Glenn Rice said, well, I guess enough's enough, and he had three threes. I think they wound up beating us uh, eight. But uh, Junie was doing everything he could to keep the ball away from Glenn Rice. But uh, he, Glenn, when he signed his pro contract, he should have given half of his money to Miller for making all those picks for him to get open. Well, Coach, uh, I, Alabama and Auburn both advanced to the round of 32 the other day, and they, they were both playing in Birmingham. Uh, you know, whether whether uh, Auburn, it, you know, it was a bit of a surprise that they ended up in Birmingham, but nonetheless, they, they threw both of them in Birmingham. And, and overall, just 
phenomenal for basketball in the state of Alabama. Obviously, Alabama has always been and, and always will be a football state. But, I mean, how much does it mean to you personally just to see I mean, basketball really on the rise in the state of Alabama? Well, there's no, there's no question about it. You have arguably the best uh, football program in the country for years now. And you also, uh, coming from Texas, they also play a little football there, too. And all year long, Houston and Alabama were ranked number one in the nation all the way through. There's six teams that started this tournament from uh, Texas. And uh, I would love to see, I would love to see uh, Alabama and Houston in the finals, but I don't think anybody wants to see Houston make the final four. Since it's in Houston, they would have the home court advantage just like they're having with Alabama and Auburn in Birmingham. So, uh, you know, I said this, I have no reason, uh, I don't know why, but it seems like I made this statement two weeks ago. I think injuries are going to determine the national championship team this year. There are so many injuries to big-time players on a lot of these teams. It's scary. If And I talked to some of the uh, coaches and people that I know in Houston, and they're, they're scared to death of Auburn uh, tonight or tomorrow, I'm sorry, uh, because – they know that it's going to be packed with Auburn uh, people, and Sasser probably yep. isn't going to play. Now, on the flip side of that, it's going to be interesting to see if Miller plays because I guess they have sort of the same injury, a growing injury. But um, Sasser, I talked to a guy from Houston that knows the Houston program pretty good, and he, he just didn't think that he was going to play uh uh, against Auburn. So uh, whenever you have a growing or an abdomen uh, injury, uh, it's tough to come back because it's always, if you put, if you run hard on it, it's always able to pull that thing again, and you're always leery of it. So anyway, that's why they play the games, uh, and they'll see. Uh, last, who would have ever thought that they would have played, Alabama would have played the Islanders and uh, Brandon wouldn't have scored and they would have won the way that they did with five, I think five kids on Alabama's team scored in double figures. Well, the island. I mean, you brought up the Islanders. Uh, it, it's a very personal program to you. You're really the the first coach in, in program history over there at Texas A&M Corpus Christi. I, I mean, what was it a little bit of a trip to you to see uh, to see Alabama matched up against the Islanders of Te of Texas A&M Corpus Christi? Well, that wasn't even the the you know the final say on it. I mean, they I think they played in Dayton. They did. Yes, playing game. Then they got on a plane right after the game and flew uh, on Sunday and flew to Birmingham. They had Birmingham off, and then they played Alabama. And their Alabama's going in their backyard playing. So I was very proud of the Islanders and uh, Coach Lutz. He's, he's done a fantastic job there. They battled and battled and battled. Um, and their point guard, who was their best player, uh, actually tore his ACL 
three minutes into the game of their uh, league tournament game and the, the finals of it. And he didn't play in that game. He didn't play in the play-in game. He didn't play uh, 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 Learian Murdoch's. And he tore that, so they had to move people around. So playing without their best player against the number one team in the nation in their backyard, I was proud of the effort uh, that the Islanders did. Uh, that's a unique university. It's an island where the school is. The school's on an island in South Texas. Every day you go to work, you're on an island. There's only two universities in the country that are on an island. That's Hawaii and Texas A&M Corpus Christi. Uh, starting it, we had nothing. They didn't have a program for 25 years. We went in there. And we were able, we, I think I was in four offices in two days. We didn't have any basketballs, any uniforms. We had four kids. We didn't play the first year. And then after that, uh, we took off, and uh, we actually beat some very good teams while we were there and got to the NCAA tournament. While we were there, we beat Texas Tech, Baylor, um, TCU uh, while we were there. But the last year, we were, for six years, Division One independent. And we, we just about couldn't go to the tournament. So we got into the South, and then the first year we get in, we win the uh, conference and the tournament and go on and go to the NCAA Cook tournament, which uh, we played Wisconsin and Chicago. Had them down 26-8. to eight. And uh, our best three-point shooter got injured and, uh, he was ranked nationally, making four threes a game. He didn't make any. So, anyway, it was a great experience there. Then they invited us to come back to uh, University of South Alabama, and we jumped on that. Well, Coach, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm with you that injuries are certainly going to be a factor, and I think you're right that Marcus Sasser is not going to play for Houston. Let's say, hypothetically, and I'm, I'm hoping this hypothetical is true, that Brandon Miller is healthy. How far is Alabama going to go, and how far is Auburn going to go? I, 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 do you think Auburn, I guess they have to clear the hurdle of Houston, but you know, how far is each team going to go? You know, I, I think Alabama has the depth, has the players, and everything to win the whole thing. Uh, like I said, I would, I would love to see Alabama and Houston playing for being from Houston. But, you know, Houston with Sasser, uh, it's going to be tough to win games without Sasser. I mean, he's, he's like uh, Brandon being hurt the whole time and not being able to play forever uh, in this tournament. So it's going to be interesting. I hope that all of this stuff on the side with Brandon doesn't interfere with the team. It's a tragic situation. Um, uh, it's just a shame that it happened uh, in all aspects, but it did. Um, I hope the Alabama team is strong enough to survive that and, and injuries. But, uh, you know, some of the teams that I think you ought to watch for the national championship is uh, Alabama and Houston and then Texas and Duke. I really like Texas, and Duke's playing really well right now. But uh, as far as Auburn, uh, they have to get by uh, Houston, and then it's going to be a you know a tough ride like, like it is for everybody. But I have uh, them. Uh
Welcome back to a Friday final drive. Putting the last final bow on it. I think we got about a minute left here. Went a little bit long with Coach Arrow there, but he had good insight. I wanted to go a little bit long with them. You know, thoughts on Sasser, thoughts on Auburn, thoughts on Alabama, Corpus Christi. The guy, the guy founded the program that uh, that Alabama just defeated yesterday. So really, really great stuff with, with Coach Arrow. I do want to thank all of our guests today and all of you for listening today i mean it, this is this has been a lot of fun i've had a really great time we had joe gaither from tide 100.9 you can catch him on cup of joe we had brian stoltz auburn rivals auburn sports.com 4 30 we had steven root catch him on the double team podcast uh with him and nick wiggins they do great stuff talking about the nba five o'clock we had ryan phillips from the tuscaloosa patch talking kai spears talking that whole media situation there and of course you just heard ronnie arrow former head coach from south alabama 34 year anniversary today of the shot that rolled the tide and of course thank you to my guy across the glass nathan hey man it's my pleasure is it, it oh is. yeah Na- learned- nathan by the way former worker at at chick-fil-a <laughs> so that that was uh wait, th- th- let me ask you was that shtick or was that or is that just ingrained into you i'm gonna call it 50 50 you, you don't you, think it was shtick. You don't I, think it was shtick? I, I, don't, I don't think you thought of that joke off the top of your head. I think that I think that just naturally came out. Hey, man, it was my pleasure. <laughs> hey, they, they do they do ingrain it in you. I, that's, uh, well, well, you're here now. So, uh, but, you know, it has been my pleasure doing uh, doing the show with you today. It's been, it's been great stuff in all seriousness. So, uh, you know, Purdue just started off with, uh, I, I, I honestly can't even tell you who Purdue is playing. They're uh, playing, oh, Fairleigh Dickinson, huh? new, great New Jersey, and I am. But anyway, thank you again to everyone who listened. Corey will be back on Monday. Another edition of the Final Drive on Monday. So tune in then. But until then, y'all enjoy your weekend. Good, sweet, uh, good uh, round of 32 action starting tomorrow. Auburn and Alabama are both playing in Birmingham. What's not to like this weekend? We'll talk to you guys again on Monday. Till then, Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP.